I'm Erin Wilson, and you are listening to Inside NC Labor, a podcast designed to inform and educate North Carolina citizens on the role that the Department of Labor plays in state government. Welcome back to Inside NC Labor. My name is Meredith Watson. I'm a public information officer here with the North Carolina Department of Labor, and I'm here with my co-host. My name is John Mell. I'm also a public information officer here at the North Carolina Department of Labor. Today we're here with Commissioner Josh Dobson. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be with you guys. Do you mind introducing yourself, kind of giving us your backstory and all the good things about Josh Dobson? Sure. Uh, Well, it has been an incredible ride, so I'll just start from the beginning. Uh, Many of you have heard my story before, but for those of you that haven't, uh, early on in my life, three things had a profound impact on the direction of the rest of my life. I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. And I went to college as a freshman, didn't do great. So I came home and I read Profiles in Courage by John Kennedy, who was a senator at the time. And it talked about senators who went against the grain, went against what was popular, and went against their party to do what they felt like was right for their state and their country. And that book had a profound impact on me. And I thought then maybe maybe I can do public service. Maybe I can run for office one day. Uh, and then after I came home from college, dropped out of college, I went to work at a manufacturing facility. And all of these three things happened within a really about a three-month period. So they had a profound impact on my life in a short period of time. But I, work, I went to work at a manufacturing facility at, on night shift. And it allowed me a lot of time to think about when you're working in a cubicle from 11 at night to 7 in the morning, you have a lot of time to think. And it really allowed me time to think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And did I want to look back at 80 and think, man, I wished I would have done something different. So that's when it really began to percolate in my mind uh, what I wanted to do. And then along that same time, September 11th happened. And it affected me in the way that it affected everybody else, public service, giving back, uh, love of country, love of state, those types of things. But it affected me more deeply in a way that really made me appreciate the, the finite amount of time that we have. Those that woke up that day and went into those towers to work had no idea when they were brushing their teeth that morning that that was the last day that they would spend on this earth. Those that got on the planes that day and handed their plane ticket over to the, the airline industry worker, they never occurred to them that that would be the last flight that they would ever take. And not to be dramatic, but, but I begin to think in those terms and think that even if we get a long life, it's very, very short period of time. But we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So if you're going to do something with your life, you better do it now because you don't know what you're guaranteed beyond that. And that's the way I began to think. So with that as the background, in my late 20s, I think I was 28 at the time, uh, I decided to run for county commissioner in McDowell County. And there were uh, two incumbent Republicans, an incumbent Democrat, also running was a multimillionaire businessman in our county, a former EMS director who was beloved by everybody in our county, and Josh from Nebo at 28 years old. 
And I said, I don't know if I can win, and I don't know how to figure all this out, but I've got to try because I don't want to look back and think, you know, damn it, I wish I would have tried. So I threw my name into the hat. We won the primary, fortunately. And then, uh, as you all have heard me say many times, it's better to be lucky than good. And I, uh, there were three seats up, and I caught that third seat. And with that third seat, I got a four-year term. And I was so blessed to be, I think, the youngest county commissioner in McDowell County history. And I love my time as a county commissioner. But uh, two years into that term, when Governor McCrory won, the, the gentleman who was in the state house moved to uh, the McCrory administration, which opened up the House seat, long story short, half of my childhood was in McDowell County, half of my childhood was in Avery County, and the district for the first time in our state's history was Avery, McDowell, and Mitchell. So I had two of the three home counties. So I was fortunate enough to get the appointment to the State House at that time. And I spent eight years in the State House, and I knew that I was not going to be a lifer there, so I tried to cherish every single moment of it, and I loved it. Every day that I woke up and got to work in the legislature representing my home county, I loved every second of it. Um, I got to chair health policy. I got to be a senior appropriations chair to help write our state's budget, and that's what I was very interested in doing. Uh, I never wanted to be majority leader. I never wanted to be Speaker of the House. So I told them when my time, my eight years was up, that I was not running again. I always knew that there was a there was a shelf life to every politician, to every elected official, and I thought that was my shelf life. So I was going to figure out what I was going to do next with the rest of my life. And the only thing that had an appeal to me in elected office was Congress or Commissioner of Labor. And the politics had gotten so twisted and so the political norms that drew me to political office had gotten so twisted, Congress had lost all of its appeal to me. Being one of 435 in a toxic body like the House of Representatives had no more appeal to me. So that had to be set to the side. So the only thing else that had an appeal to me was Commissioner of Labor. I didn't know Commissioner Barry that well at the time. But uh, I assumed she was going to run again, and I was going to support her. So I was in my office in the legislature. Uh, Julie was with me that day in my office, and I saw it come across News and Observer that Commissioner Barry had announced at the Council of State meeting that she wasn't going to run again. Well, timing and luck, as I said, has played such a critical role in my life that I, didn't have, I knew at that moment I was going to run for Commissioner of Labor. I knew I was because I wasn't going to run for the State House again, and that's the only office that had any appeal to me. If it would have been Commissioner of Insurance or Lieutenant Governor, for that matter, I would not have run. I knew at that moment that I was going to run for Commissioner of Labor. And the reason for that was the consequential nature of what the Department of Labor does. Now, I'm biased, but if I was going to rank the most important departments uh, in the Council of State, the governor's office and no particular order, the governor's office, agriculture, the treasurer's office, and commissioner of labor, to me, are the most important Council of State positions. So I wanted it to matter. If I was going to sacrifice my family and my life for two years running for this office, I wanted it to be an office that mattered. And there's nothing more important to me than the welfare of five million workers, four and a half million workers across our state. So I wanted it to be consequential. And the second thing, because of the broad nature of what the Department of Labor does, uh, it, it, it easily drew me to it because I knew it would be something different every day. From mine and quarry consultation to elevator inspectors to 
compliance officers to wage and hour enforcement, something different and so diverse every single day. So that's what drew me to the office. And it's been an incredible ride and I'm blessed. Uh, I wasn't mandated, or I didn't feel mandated with winning the primary or the general election because in the primary, as you all have heard me say many times, I won 40% of the vote, which was enough to come in first. But you know what that means? 60% voted for two other names on the ballot. So that was humbling. And then in the general, I did win with 2.7 million votes, but there was one other name on the ballot and that individual got 2.6 million votes. So to have 2.6 million people reject you is quite humbling. So I never felt validated or like I had a mandate. It was much more of just being lucky and blessed to win the Commissioner of Labor's race. And it's been an incredible journey, an incredible ride. So that's, that's where we're at today, and it's just an honor to be with you guys. All right, so you have entered your final year as Labor Commissioner. How do you feel about that? I feel great. Uh, no regrets. I, I would do it all again. I would run again. I would run the campaign the same way, and I would do things uh, for the most part, uh, as I as I did them in my time here, so uh, I, I have no regrets about not running again. I haven't spent one morning thinking, "Gosh, I wish I would. I wish I would have announced again." So uh, no regrets there, and I feel great about what we've accomplished and what we have done while I've been at the Department of Labor. So it's uh, it's a surreal feeling knowing that for the first time since 2010, I'm not going to be on the ballot. So it's a little bit surreal, but, uh, but I'm at peace with it. And uh, it's just been an incredible run. And I feel more for feel more gratitude for the bounty that life has given me more than any regret about what might have been. So I feel good. You've gotten to do some pretty amazing things during your time at labor. What would you say are some of your highlights? So on a personal note, the time that we've got to spend in the car, me and my senior staff and you guys, frankly, and the way that we've laughed and the way that we've talked and got to know each other just in the time in the car, riding from one event to the next, has been something on a personal note that I'll always cherish. And when my time here is up, if you say, Josh, what are you going to miss the most? It's going to be the interactions with the senior staff, and it's going to be the interactions with the employees at the Department of Labor. So that's something that, that I'm incredibly proud of. And that, if you had to pick the personal highlight, it's been those interactions with the employees here. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a professional level, my goodness, I think of the storms that we've weathered together here at the Department of Labor, uh, literally from the day that I came here with COVID, right in the middle of COVID. We had a 40-page document from the advocates saying all the things that we should do in the workplace with regard to COVID. And I had a one-page document from the business industry, the, the, the commerce side of, of the things that we shouldn't do. So having to navigate that uh, in unprecedented waters and doing that successfully uh, is something that I feel like was a highlight. Uh, the, the ETS-1, which uh, came down from U.S. Department of Labor and put new standards on the healthcare industry, providers in, in particular, and how we worked with them to have a rapid response team. When things come up, they knew they could come to us and work through those things. Uh, in hindsight, it's like it wasn't a big deal, but when we were all going through it together, it was a huge deal. So I'm very proud of the way that we handled that. The vaccine mandate is another thing that was a highlight that I'm very proud of the way that we handled that. I had some 
that were saying you need to adopt the van manda vaccine mandate today. We just need to go along with it so we don't lose our state plan. So I had people from that side saying that to me. And then I had others that were anti-vax all the way saying no way, no how, hell no, we shouldn't do this. So trying to figure out how I should act, should I let it play out in the courts, knowing that the Supreme Court would ultimately decide uh, in the way that I was able to handle that and the way that we were able to handle that together and get to a resolution. And I've been vaccinated. I don't need to have that uh, conversation again. But I've been vaccinated. I encourage all of our employees to be vaccinated. But I didn't think the Department of Labor should go business to business checking vaccine statuses. So uh, the way that that was handled and the way that the Supreme Court ruled and we didn't get too out too far out in front of, of the Supreme Court made it work out well so the way that we handled that and I don't need to tell you guys and I could go on and on about some of the things that we've weathered together uh, but when the crack happened at Carowinds and how we the people in this room dealt with that together you guys came up on a Friday uh, to the Asheville office and we did 15 interviews from Atlanta, Georgia to other countries, I believe, wanted to interview me on how we were going to handle that and the way that uh, our bureau chief, Tommy Petty, uh, worked with me to make sure that I had all I needed for the media and the way you guys here in this room worked with me to set that up. And we did, we knocked out 15 interviews on that day alone from everything from are you guys going to find care wins uh, when did the crack happen and all the questions that we had to anticipate again in hindsight it looked easy because we got through it together but as the people in this room know it was not easy when we were all going through that but we got through it and we got through it successfully and we put that behind us and we moved on one thing that I've learned in the executive branch as opposed to the legislative branch it's harder to measure success and in the legislative branch, you either got your bill through or you didn't. You either prevent, presented it to committee and the committee approved it or you didn't. Here, it's only after time has passed do you see if the injury and illness and the fatality rate has went down, that you see how you handled a crack in the weld at Carewinds or how you handled the vaccine mandate. So having looked back, and that's just a few things, we could go on and on, but the way that, that we all handled that together and the way that the employees at the Department of Labor stepped up is something that I'm so proud of. And I would say that those are the professional highlights in addition to the personal highlights of getting to know the employees here at the Department of Labor and the time that we got to spend on the road together is something that I'm going to miss. So during your time here at Labor, uh, what are some things that have caused you frustration? <coughs> have you been frustrated by during your time here? Yeah, that's that's a great question as well, and I've thought a lot about that, and uh, the frustrations I lay primarily at my feet. I came in from the legislative branch thinking the same skill set that had made me successful in the legislative branch would make me a strong chief executive, and it turns out that the whole the whole skill set that you need to be a chief executive is far different than the, the skill set that you need uh, in, in the General Assembly. So uh, I needed to, to adjust and adapt. So having said that, some of my frustrations, probably early on, I was a bit naive thinking that I could just walk in day one in the middle of COVID in a new department and think it would continue to just be a, a, a continuation of all the successes I had at the General Assembly moving over to the Department of Labor, not appreciating 
that the individuals here had no I was just another legislator because they didn't know the things that I was able to accomplish in the General Assembly. They just knew it was a new boss coming in and coming in with the legacy that Commissioner Barry left both internally and especially externally with the general public and not fully appreciating the legacy that she had garnered and well earned over a 20-year period uh, was something that I was naive about and if I had it to do over again uh, I would have been I would have been much more aware of the fact that it was it was it was going to take time to overcome some of those things so in conjunction with that uh, I was probably impatient I literally thought day one I could come in and just hit the ground running and everything would merge well and her staff would merge well with with my staff and everything would be perfect day one not fully appreciating that to build team chemistry and building a team takes time uh, I learned that uh, I, I use the analogy of great coaches well uh, Mike Krzyzewski didn't have a winning season his first year or his second year so it took time for him to have success Nick Saban who's the greatest football coach of all time uh, lost to a team called UL Monroe in his first year at Alabama. So I didn't fully appreciate that you can't walk in day one and expect there to be collaboration and team chemistry and that it had to take time. So I would say I was naive was a frustration looking back. I wished I would not have been naive. I would have been more aware and I would have had a better appreciation for the fact that it would take time to build a successful team. But looking back three years, uh, I'm not naive anymore and we have built a successful team and the team that I brought with me has emerged and immersed themselves well with the with the individuals that were already here and I couldn't be prouder in hindsight of how it's all worked together but those things take time so if I had to say frustrations that would be them so as we've mentioned before this is your final year as labor commissioner during your final year, what are you hoping to accomplish? So the things that I'm hoping to accomplish are the exact same things that I wanted to accomplish when I came in the door. And I could add that to my highlights, but I wanted to save it uh, for, for other questions that you might guys might have. I came in the door thinking about how the employees at the Department of Labor will know that I've got their back. And I feel like we've, we've done that with paid family leave, the $2,500 bonus, uh, not just recruitment bonuses, but we'll reward those that have stuck with us through hard times with retention bonuses. So I, I do hope that the employees here feel like over the three years that I've been here that I've had their back. And one thing with the time that I have left, I want to double down on that. I want to go to the General Assembly and ask for more money for raises for the employees that work here and ask for more bonuses and more things that I can do to make sure that the employees at the Department of Labor have the resources that they need to be successful and they know that I value what they do every single day. So that's what I want to do with the time that I have left. In addition to that, I wanted to bring every commissioner has their own set of ways that they want to do things and I wanted to bring in a culture of collaboration with groups that I knew were never going to vote for me, never did vote for me and had felt shut out of the process um, in days gone by. So 
I wanted to bring labor groups to the table and listen to what they had to say and figure out how we could work together to make North Carolina safer. And I feel like we were able to do that. And I hope that they would say that we've had a, a culture of collaboration uh, with groups that I know may disagree with me on right to work laws. But I told them up front, okay, we're not going to agree on right to work laws, but let's set that aside and, fill, and figure out how we can do things for both the employees at the Department of Labor and the employees of North Carolina to keep them safe. So that's what I feel like we've done. And with the year that I have left, I want to continue to have an open door because it wasn't a political ploy for me. I felt like it was the best way to govern. So with the time that I have left, I want to make sure the employees here know that I have their back and make sure that the, the, the labor groups, in addition to the business groups, know that I have an open door and they can come to me with any concerns that they may or may not have. That's what I want to do with the year that I have left. So we've talked about your past and the present here at the Department of Labor. So what does the future hold for Josh Hobbs? So I think one thing that, that's different now about me and how I've grown while I've been here, and I've learned more in the three years that I've been here than the whole eight years that I was in the General Assembly. And one of those things that I've learned is to appreciate the opportunity that you've been given and not always look forward and when I'll be in all transparency when I was running for this office as it got closer to the election I've got to win I've got to win I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't win so I was really not in a good place in a lot of ways uh, but now I don't feel that I think you know what it's been a heck of a run and and I've, I've used this corny analogy as well but I've been playing with the house's money for a long time and to think that a boy from Nebo can end up as North Carolina's 18th Commissioner of Labor is far beyond my wildest dreams so I want to start by saying I'm so appreciative of the opportunities that I've been given uh, but to answer your question if you say Josh what do you want to do next uh, again I like to just show my cards and not hedge if there is a CEO role of a provider-led healthcare organization that is looking for a CEO and they feel like I could add value there, that's something that I would like that I would be interested in doing. My time in the General Assembly was spent on healthcare policy, and uh, John, I loved every second of it. I loved everything about healthcare policy in our state. So if there's a way for me to get back into that. Uh, I would be very interested in that. I don't think I would be a very good lobbyist, nor do I have plans to lobbyist to lobby. So if there's an opportunity there, then I will be happy. If not, I'll go back to Western North Carolina and find something else to do and be just as happy and grateful for the bounty that life has given me and not have any regrets about what might have been. So after you, though, we will have a new labor commissioner. What advice do you have for the future commissioner of labor? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and the thing I would say is when I was in the General Assembly, uh, my predecessor was Mitch Gillespie, and he had been there since 1998 to 2012. But I decided early, and Mitch told me this, he said, don't be Mitch Gillespie, be Josh Dobson. 
and find things that you're interested in and try to focus on those things and be the best you can be at that. His thing was environmental policy and transportation policy. That wasn't for me. My, my thing was education and healthcare policy. So he gave me advice, don't be Mitch Gillespie, be Josh Dobson. And when I came here, there's only one Cherie Berry. I could not be Commissioner Cherie Berry. So I wanted to be Josh Dobson. And that's what I've tried to do while I've been here. So my advice to the next Commissioner of Labor, Democrat or Republican, is be yourself. Don't try to be me, because you can't be me and I can't be you. So be yourself. Uh, you've earned the right to make the big decisions when they come to your desk. So make sure that everybody knows that when the dust is settled, uh, whether you have had the experience or not, you've earned the right to make those big decisions. So I think that be decisive, but be yourself. In addition to that, and it doesn't even matter if it's the right decision or the wrong decision, by virtue of you winning, you've earned that right. So I would say that in addition to that, I do think, while I said don't be Josh Dobson, two of the things that I would encourage either Commissioner of Labor, whomever wins this office, continue to fight for the employees because the work that is done here is behind the scenes and it's hard. It's not easy to be an elevator inspector and to go into a place and where you may or may not be wanted to spend time inspecting an elevator. As a compliance officer, it's not easy to go into a business where you know that you're not wanted, but you've got a job to do and you have to go into that business and do a job. So it's not easy being an employee at the North Carolina Department of Labor. So I would want the next commissioner to continue to have the back of the employees. Partisanship be damned have the back of the employees that show up every day to keep the employees of North Carolina safe. That's the first thing I would say. In addition to that, bring every group to the table and listen to everybody's point of view because nobody has a monopoly on what's right, labor or business. So try to listen to all those groups and try to bring everybody to the table. You're the ultimate decider, but before you decide, listen to everybody's point of view and then be clear on why you made the decisions that you made. That's about as good as uh, I think anyone can do. Well. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you and all that you've done for our department. Thank you for all you've done, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Well, it's been an incredible ride. I just appreciate the work that you all uh, do. We get numerous uh, re requests all the time from reporters, and, and you all do a great job, and this podcast has just grown, and uh, all that you all do with the comms team, you all do a great job. So thank you for having me. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks so much for tuning in, y'all, and remember your safety is our priority.